this last uh, week, some of you, a, a, a good portion of you, I think, have been a, a little more thankful for one of the simple pleasures in life, something that we all often, I think, take for granted, that the power of a light switch, being able to turn on the light when it, in it, when it turns dark. And some of you didn't know what to do in the evenings. I heard of families who bathed their kids by candlelight. That's good. You know, you can't electrocute yourself, I guess, uh, in the... <laughs> And, and there were those of you that uh, had romantic dinners that were unplanned and, and all kinds of things that uh, light afforded you. And uh, sometimes when I think of, of our call as a church, when I think of, of what we're meant to be as a church, I think of Jesus' words to the church in, in Matthew 5, in his Sermon on the Mount, where he says these words. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus later would would clearly identify himself as being the light of the world. But he says that when we follow him, we also are going to be light in our world. That's our call. You know, when when things get dark in our world, don't unplug the light. Don't turn off the light. When when things get dark, be the light. I, I don't know about you this week, but as I saw some of the tragic news in our world, what I wanted more than anything, I wanted our church to rise up more than ever before and be the light in our world. Let your light so shine, Jesus says, that others may see your light and notice God. (laughs) Like like that that, that your light might actually point people to God's reality and existence in a a fresh and brand new way. This is, uh, as as has been mentioned already this morning, it's kind of a kickoff Sunday for our fall. We go to two services. I've got to say I'm going to miss our, our one service family from the summer, but... Um, we want to make room for our, our neighborhood and community, and so we go to two services to make room so that we can invite our friends and family and, and, and have space for them to sit on a, on a Sunday morning. So that's why we do two services, by the way. But um, it's kind of our kickoff Sunday, and, and uh, I'd like to think about this morning what we're about as Hillside. You know, just what are we doing here? We, we know that we are a church on mission, that, that God has called us and wants to send us out in the world to to be love and light to our world. We kind of know that. That's kind of basic. To to let his light shine. And this morning I want to reflect on what God is up to in our church. That kind of a good question. God, what are you up to? And then how, looking at how God wants to uniquely shine and work through us in this particular season in the life of Hillside. So we're going to do a couple things. First of all, we're going to just quickly review our mission as a church, our mission statement. We have a mission statement, and I want to review that. And then as we keep that in mind, I'd like to talk about anchor themes, three anchor themes that our elders identified earlier this year, sort of priorities that we've set in terms of determining what we're going to sort of press into and lean into this particular year, this fall and coming season. First of all, why don't we pray? Let's just pause. Go on, close your eyes with me, and let's... uh, our attention to our good Father. So, Father, this morning, you call us to be light. You call us to make a difference. You call us to, 
to be, be world changers. And uh, we want to be in on that. We want to be in on your purposes and your mission in the world. And you've raised up this kind of uh, unique gathering called Hillside. You, you planted it here in a neighborhood in Coquitlam that's part of a larger city, the Tri-Cities and beyond. And uh, we want to be more about what you're calling us to be. We want to be freed to be what you want us to be. And I pray your power would be evident in our lives and in this church in such a way that people would notice and say there's a God. So, so shine your light on us very, very specifically this morning. Jesus, you're the light. Open our eyes to your reality too. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our mission statement is, is a run-on sentence. It's this, simply this. Hillside Community Church is passionately committed to connecting people to Jesus Christ and becoming a community of growing believers. That's fancy talk for Jesus followers who make a difference in our world. Hillside Community Church is passionately committed to, be, to, in, to connecting people to Jesus Christ and becoming a community of growing believers who make a difference in our world. Our, our mission statement is really summed up by three different words. You hear these a lot around here. Connecting, growing, serving. And we are passionately committed to connecting or introducing people to Jesus Christ, introducing them to Jesus, worshiping Jesus, having Jesus and his life and his teaching and his ways and his death and, and his resurrection and his, his great kingdom that he wants to bring. Have that, having that be the center of our life together, the center of who we are. We want to connect people to Jesus, and we want to be connected to Jesus. Secondly, growing together as disciples of Jesus, becoming a, a community who together are, are growing in our life in Jesus, learning his teaching, learning his ways, learning to, to, to notice his spirit and to walk in, his, in step with his spirit. And, and, and then growing together to become more like Jesus. We're meant to reflect him. Thirdly, serving. Jesus uh, famously said, I come not to be served, but to serve. And we're called to serve. A reminder that we as a church, we're not here for ourselves. We're here planted to serve each other and to serve, serve the world. Um, there, there ought to be, as someone once said, a love radius around every church. You've, you've heard of a, a bomb blast, a bomb radius? You know, that's the distance that, that the impact of a bomb would, would spread, how far that would be. Uh, every church ought to have a love radius that, that anyone that lives in proximity to that church within, I'd say, 20 or 30 kilometers of, of any church ought to know that that church is there because of their love. There ought to be a love radius around our church. It's for serving. If you're wondering where our, our mission statement comes from, it, it really does come straight from the words of Jesus. Uh, out, of, out of two passages of Scripture in Matthew, uh, one is called the, the Great Commandment, the other one's called the Great Commission. I want to review them quickly with you. Great Commandment, Jesus had been asked, Teacher, out of, out of all the commandments, of, out, of, out of all God's instructions to us, what is the most important? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he went on to say, and, and, and the second is like it, this is, uh, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said all the law and the prophets hang on those commandments. That's, the, that's what we know as the great commandment. And then the great commission. These were um, kind of the final words that Jesus gave his disciples before he would ascend to heaven. This was their commissioning. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. This commandment, love God, love people. This, this commission, make disciples. Make disciples everywhere. This is our mission. And, and so earlier this year, within the confines of, of this kind of mission, this, this commissioning of Jesus, um, our elders asked those two questions. God, what are you up to right now at Hillside? And, and then secondly, of, of the many things, God, that we could do right now, what are the two or three things that you want us to focus on? What are the two things that you want us to lean into? I want to I review those three with you in the rest of our time together. The first I want to touch on is what we've called resourcing ministry. Resourcing ministry. Um, ministry is kind of a funny word. You know, we, we uh, have all kinds of ministries in Canada. We have the Ministry of Defense, uh, the Ministry of o Oceans and Fisheries. I looked it up. There's like hundreds of ministries in Canada. We have a lot of government in Canada. Um, <laughs> funny enough, in Sri Lanka, where we visited this summer, the, the, the most uh, loved restaurant, it's the, the most popular restaurant in the capital city of Colombo, is called the Ministry of Crab. <laughs> I think that's just like a beautiful name. It's so popular that we tried on several occasions in our time in Sri Lanka to go to this restaurant and it was sold out every night. You couldn't, we couldn't get in to the Ministry of Crab. I would have loved to have enjoyed that kind of ministry in my life. <laughs> ministry is simply a, a word that means tends to or caring for or looks after, assists or helps. And, and, in, and in church life, we sometimes set apart people that we call ministers. Sometimes um, someone will ask me, so what do you do? Always a, a loaded question for a, a pastor. And I'll say, I'm a pastor. And, and there's some people in our culture that actually haven't heard the word pastor. And so they may, maybe have a little bit of a look on their face like, what are you talking about? And then I'll, I'll actually rephrase it and say, I'm a minister. And they go, oh, minister, okay. Because that's kind of a term that we've used over, over the years. And so they know what that is, right? Or they think they do. And so we set aside people for what we call full-time Christian ministry with the idea that there are, are special people who are specially equipped to do Christian ministry. Let me let you in on a little secret that shouldn't be a secret. All followers of Jesus are ministers. They're meant to be ministers. They're meant to be people who, out of the love of Jesus, do ministry. We're all called to do that. We're all called to do ministry. Um, the apostle uh, Paul talked about this. He described the church not as a superstar minister who does everything, but he talked about it being the image he had for the church, or one of them was a body, a human body, where all the parts work together. Every part of the body does a, a ministry that makes and amplifies the ministry of the whole body of the church. It's, it's a pretty cool image, and it, and it he really makes it clear there's no, like, better parts of the body. Some of you feel like you're a small toe. And, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, elevates the small toe and says, you matter as a toe. My, my son, in an accident, lost one of his toes, and he found out that that toe mattered in the way he walked and navigated through life. We, are, we have parts of the, we're all parts of the body. We're meant to be working together. We're, we're all meant to be ministering. The, the Apostle Peter 
said the same kind of thing. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Scripture says that that each body, each member of the body of Christ has been specially gifted by God, has been given a deposit of his spirit, a, a, a ministry. You've been given a ministry, a specific thing that you can do. Um, Jim, Jim Collins would call it your hedgehog, that thing that you can do that, that you, God uniquely crafted in you to be able to give to the world. In other words, <clears throat> church was never meant to be a spectator sport. With just kind of a few superstar ministers that are at work. In, in our day, sitting on the sidelines in church has become a whole new day, a whole new way of doing church. Sitting out, sitting on the bench, can watching other people kind of do, be involved. And, and, and that's just not biblical. In fact, I, I think it's this whole sitting on the sidelines is a, is a dangerous way to, to practice our faith. We're, we're all meant to get off the bench and do the parts that we've been called to. So what does this mean for Hillside? Um, first of all, as leaders here, we're going to keep looking for and identifying key and meaningful ways for you to get involved and for you to participate and for you to serve and lead and give. And we're going to do whatever we can to, to help you and resource you to be able to do that well. We want to do that in such a way that you flourish in the ways you serve and lead and give. We, we believe you don't have to do everything, but we believe you're called to do something. And, and, and I, I believe every, every follower is meant to do something within the context of their own church family as well as, as in their world. And so we, we want to release you to do that. We want to help you discover that. So that leads to our second goal, uh, and that is, that is this, is secondly, we're hiring. We're, we're actually, uh, you know, stepping out, and, and as part of our goals this year, we want to hire an associate pastor. We want to uh, specifically hire an associate pastor with, with this as being their primary job description of equipping and resourcing volunteer people, <laughs> volunteers, the, the body of Christ, all of us, so that we might flourish in the ways we serve. In fact, the, the working title for, that we have for this associate pastor is Pastor of, of People Development pastor of people development. So we, we're in the middle of, of, of this search process, and I would encourage you to, would you pray with us that God would, would send us, would lead us to the right person for that particular role that we believe is going to help you be the church, and I uh, want to encourage you in that way. So let's keep praying uh, for that whole process, but we really want to see every person in the body of Christ serving and, 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 and giving of what they've got and, uh, and, and, and doing that more easily. That's anchor goal number one. Number two, be a little briefer here. The second theme is compassionate, local compassionate ministry. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about this uh, in, a, in two or three weeks, actually, when Jordan Polson is here. He's going to be here on the Sunday morning. But um, this really is about what it means to love God and to actually love our neighborhood, to love our city. That it means we're actually meant to care about our community in real ways. We're, we're, we're meant to care that there's need in our community and, and do what we can to actually reach out with the love of Jesus to our neighborhood. Um, we're, uh, we're sending a team this fall. Actually, in one month's time, we're sending uh, a team to Kenya for two weeks. And they're going to be doing work there that we've been 
in continuing the work that we've done in that village in Seje for the last five years or so. And that's, that's awesome. We love the fact that we're sending a, a team to Kenya. But can I tell you this? We are a team here, not for two weeks, full-time, all the time, hoping to do good in our community here. That's our desire. So, so how do we do this? Uh, three goals that we've uh, stepped out in this particular year. One is launch a team of people called the Hillside Community Care Team. And they're launched. We've got a team led by Terry Potma, and uh, there's about six or, six or eight individuals who are strategically thinking about how we can love on and engage with needs in our community. So they're doing that. In fact, their first initiative is this clothing giveaway that's happening in a couple weeks. And, and I, I love this clothing giveaway idea. I think it's genius. Do you know why? All of you have clothes. Just checking. I'm just about... I, I, can raise a hand. Any, is there anyone here that could not afford to give away one good piece of clothing? Put your hand up if you cannot afford to give away one good piece of clothing. Hands in the air. We got a clothing giveaway, folks, right there. I'm just looking. So, so go home. Don't pick your worst thing. Pick, pick a nicer thing that you can do without and bring it in. And, and, and then we need like this army of people. This is the, the genius of this is that how many of you think you probably could tell between a pair of pants and a shirt? <laughs> Hands in the air, those of you who can tell between a pair of pants and a shirt. Hands in the air. Okay, so we got issues in this church, I can see. <laughs> wow. A little concerning. Those of you who can, means you can come out and, and help sort clothes that week and, and like get, get us ready. And, and I know there are those of you who are so good at welcoming people. And uh, it's like two hours, 12 till 2.30 on that Saturday. And you'd be just great with the kids that come and the families that come. And we're going to have a barbecue outside. We're going to love on these people who come. And, and so... This is something we all can do. So I, I want to applaud our, our Hillside Community Care Team for uh, hitting it out of the park with a great idea. Let's give them a hand this morning. I think it's awesome. And then on top of that, to celebrate our 20th anniversary this year, we decided to, I think the elders, this is a genius idea. That for 20 years, our goal would be to do a love offering, not for ourselves as a congregation, but do a love offering for our neighborhood. And so we uh, put a challenge out there, 1000 per year. $20,000 was our hope for this love offering. And I think it's about 25000 And it's this legacy fund that we hope to use to, to just bless ministries and work that's going on in our community. I, I think it's so great. I, I'm, I know I'm not supposed to be proud but I'm proud of you guys for doing that. Thanks for stepping out and giving in that way. I, this is something Jesus would be very, very pleased by. Loving on our neighborhood. Third thing, as I said, as, as it was announced earlier, we're going to have this, this seminar with Jordan Polson. Jordan Polson is one of our EMCC pastors. He's an executive pastor of one of our largest churches. In fact, one of the largest churches in Canada. There's, they're Red Deer. What is it? How, how do you pronounce that place? No, let's not. Let's not repeat that. Um, Red Deer, Alberta, a church that in recent years has been so strategic about loving on their community that it's become probably their number one feature. They're all about it. The love radius around that church is huge. The difference they're making in their community is huge. And uh, 
I, I, I'm, I'm excited about that weekend as we spend some time with Jordan on that Saturday morning, and then he's going to be here on Sunday morning sharing some stories of inspiration of how of a church that is uh, reaching their neighborhood in exceptional ways, and we want to learn from them. There are a few steps ahead, obviously, and we want to, um, I think, uh, help uh, make, avoid making some missteps in this whole area of ministry. So let's be uh, looking ahead to that, that weekend. Uh, it's RSVP only for the Saturday, so if you want to be there on the Saturday, let us know. And uh, Sunday, you can all, all hear from Jordan that day. That's anchor goal number two. Finally, our third anchor goal is growing authentic relationships. Um, we talk a lot about the power of, of community around here and the power of a friendship and the power of doing life together, particularly doing life together as followers of Jesus, as Christians. Um, really, it, it goes back, wh- why this is uh, so important is it goes back to the very center of the universe, of the very core of the universe, how the, the, the universe has been set up from day one. Because at the very center of the, center of the universe is a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have at the very center of the universe a a loving trinity, a loving relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a a unity, a community. And so when, when it came time to make humankind, God said, let us make man in our image. You hear that? Right, right into our, our very formation as, as humankind is this Designed for community, for relationship. We're, we're made as relational beings, just like our God is a relational God. That's why when you get a, a buzz, when you have a meaningful conversation with somebody, that's a buzz because you're connecting with this deep truth of how reality works in the world. When you, when you have uh, time with a friend, and you walk away, you feel just a little bit loved, a little bit accepted after you've been with that friend. You're, you're connecting with this deep, deep truth that that we're not meant to be alone. Uh, the father said, went on to say, God went on to say, um, it is not good for man to be alone. Here's the trouble in our world right now is we believe, uh, often behave as if it is okay to be alone. We, we live in the most digitally connected era of, of ever, and yet more and more disconnected in so many, so many ways in terms of face-to-face relationships. And so we're, we've been feeling like God's been... Um, pressing into this value for a while here at Hillside, and we've been taking some steps to actually step out in that. Let me, let me just sell you on a couple of reasons why this is important. Let me give you a couple of examples. Winston Churchill. Um, we see the physical life-giving power of connection in Winston Churchill. He had a, a wonderful marriage with his wife. Uh, he was deeply connected to his family, to his, his, to his nation, to his work, to his friends. That all said, his health habits were, were terrible. His diet was awful. I mean, the guy smoked cigars all the time. He drank too much. He had, had weird sleep habits. He was pretty much sedentary all the time, yet he lived to be nearly 90 years old. He's my hero, folks. <laughs> Someone asked him, Mr. Churchill, do you ever exercise? And he replied, the only exercise I get is serving as a pallbearer for my friends who died while they were exercising. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Studies show that diet and exercise are actually <laughs> kind of important, and, and I, I think they really, really are. But just 
as important, I believe, just as important for human flourishing are meaningful, connective relationships. Another example, um, many of you have heard this scripture from Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy is a very good thing. And, and you know what, I, I would say joy is probably up there with food and water and, and oxygen. We long for joy. We were made for joy. We want joy. Here's the thing. It's interesting. A 20-year study of more than 4,700 people found that joy is contagious. It's contagious. People who become happy make it more likely that their friends will become happy. It, it, it's got this... Uh, ripple effect it just moves kind of outwards in fact it it moves so far it's so powerful actually that you're more likely to be happy if a a friend of a friend of a friend is happy studies show that um, social researcher robert putnam writes he says the single most common finding from a half century's research on life satisfaction is best predicated by the breadth and depth of one's social connections he goes on to make this staggering comment. He says, as a rough rule of thumb, if you belong to no groups, but you decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's difficult to think of anyone not wanting to cut the risk of their dying in half, right? In, in fact, this is going to become the, the new motto of our home groups. Join a group or die. Does that work? Does that work? Yeah. Join a group or die. And we're not going to tell you when or how, but you're going to die. No. Um, this is an area uh, we could spend all morning talking about the benefits, and we could have uh, all kinds of testimonies about that. I'd like to have two specific testimonies about the power of friendship. I'm going to invite up Craig Penn and uh, Sonia Kennedy. Do you guys want to come on up? Do you want to come out? <laughs> I want to not be obligated to marketing. That's what I want. That's that right? <laughs> Leave that to the marketers. Join a group or die. Um, <laughs> we uh, started earlier this year, we started Connect Six groups, which are small groups of men or women um, that uh, meet once a month uh, to ask questions about how's life really? How, how is it really going? And talk about things of primary questions like, what are you mad, sad, glad, what's going on in your lives kind of thing. And uh, uh, we've had about, I think, 70 women be part of those groups and, and about 35 men be part of those groups. It's been really remarkable. And uh, Craig and I have been in, in a group together, and I invited Craig to join a group, and uh, he, almost, he almost didn't make it the group, did you? Tell, tell, me, uh, tell me what kept you from, from joining a Connect Six group. Oh, there we go. Uh, what kept me from it? I, I honestly thought I, thought I had enough friends. Um, pretty popular guy, I guess. But uh, most of my friends I didn't really have a, a good deep connection with. And uh, on my way, oh, Dermot invited me, as he said. And on my way there, I actually almost turned around a couple of times. I actually sat in the parking lot and uh, considered going back home. But uh, I went in and had a great time. So. Tell, tell us, uh, what has been the highlight for you in your Connect Six group? What is, how has it been meaningful for you? Uh? 
just having a deeper connection with men and realize that I'm not the only one going through problems in life. I guess, uh, I mean, a lot of other people have worse problems than me when, when I didn't think about that. So just having a, a nice, uh, I mean, we have dinner together and uh, just grow and grow in our relationship together. Thanks. Thanks, Craig. That's awesome. Give Craig a hand, shall we? Okay, Sonia. Craig, by the way, was, you know, I, I'm surprised you didn't almost leave church this morning before almost dead. He's so, such a great guy. Love this man. Um, Sonia, uh, this last year you joined a, a home group and uh, regularly at the front door you've told me how it's been a, a great experience for you. Why don't you tell us, how has this been kind of a serendipitous experience for you? We, uh, we've been at Hillside for four, four years now, and this was the first home group that we joined, and we thought, well, we've got little kids, let's do it at our house. But that's it, let's just see how this goes. And it was a book study, so it was pretty innocuous. Like, it wasn't like you were going to actually have to get very deep very quickly, I thought. <laughs> and then you do the book, God in My Everything, and that, you know, just happens. But um, we have there are people that I might have seen at church who I quite liked that you'd say hi to but you don't really develop those authentic relationships and I think the people that God has put together in our small group sorry in our small group has been we're, we're very different but we're all the same in a lot of ways and in our approach and our in our relationships and our relationship with Jesus and um, it's been really real. It got really real really fast, I would say, uh, in, a, in a positive way, in that we're normal people. We're all open with each other. We all struggle, and we all support one another, too, I would say. So I think that God was very smart in how he put us together, because we're all a little different, um, but uh, really authentic. I'm going to use the word again. So. That's great. That's great. What, what about this group? has been specifically encouraging to you in your daily life? Just living life, has this been a benefit to you in, in the living of your life? For sure. Uh, Thursday nights is when we meet, and it, it, it is so cool how from one Thursday to the next, we could talk about what we talk, you know, check in in the beginning um, with one another, and so often it's a story of, I can't wait to tell you what happened. Remember what we were talking about the other week? It's actually happening, and I see it, and prayer is working, and sort of different things that are tangible things, and when you're going throughout the week, you kind of think a little bit more about what that discussion was about, and how is it becoming real in my life, and then you get excited to share it with these other people, too, and, and you've got people who challenge you, too, like my friend Brett Pigott, I'm sure anyone who knows him, he's great. I, am I allowed to say you're in my home group? I quite like him. Uh, the whole, I like all of my home groupers, but Brett, Brett's voice is awesome in that he's, he challenges, and um, it makes me think throughout the week, what would Brett do a little bit in certain situations? <laughs> not, not all the time, but there are situations where you do have certain people who challenge you in different ways, and, you know, Anyway, so it's, I think that's awesome. It, it so uh, we're going to be marketing bracelets next week. What would Brett do? <laughs> WWE. But you can only wear them sometimes because I know he's not perfect, too. No kidding. Right, MJ? Yeah. Got uh, what would you say to someone who's never tried a, a small group? Um, I remember a sermon uh, a while ago before, before you, sorry, uh, you know, a different pastor who was also wonderful. Um, and I remember him saying um, that 
in fellowship, it's not always about you. It's not about what you're going to get from it. You might be positioned and placed into relationship, and it's entirely about somebody else. Um, so I remember being a bit nervous about small group. You have to divulge things. You've got to connect with people. I thought I had enough friends. Like, we're quite social too, right? Uh, so, but it's different. And um, I'm glad we did it. It was a little bit like, oh, I'm not, I don't know these people. I know that I like them on Sunday mornings and they're quite nice and kind, but you don't actually know. But God knows, I would say. And I think um, if anybody's sort of thinking, oh, this is my first small group and we've had comments in our small group, we thought it was this weird culty thing that people do. Like, why would you ever do that? But it's, it's relationships and it's um, relationships that are kind of strategically placed there for you by Jesus and that I think is a win, so. Amen, thanks Sonia. Let's give her a hand. Wow. There's too many reasons why we want to recommend authentic relationships, and we've, we've come up with a couple ideas. We're, we're throwing mud at the wall on this one, folks. Home groups being one of them, uh, connect groups being another. Oh, I want to tell you, for this particular fall, um, we're actually, as we've mentioned, our, we're wa- working through a book study, and we're pretty selective about the books that we choose, and we think, I'm just really excited about the material we're going to be working through this fall. The book by Peter Schizero, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Two primary themes we're going to be looking at in this book, and these are this. The first is emotional health and and spiritual health are together part of our discipleship with Jesus. Part of our following Jesus means that we not just grow spiritually healthy, but we actually are growing emotionally healthy, and they impact each other. Those two are, we're mind and body and soul. We're all wrapped up together in the same person, and God cares about those parts of our lives. And so we're going to pay attention to those things. The second thing is this, an emphasis on contemplative spirituality, which is fancy talk for basically saying, learning to be with Jesus. Some of us, that's, that's the, the, the magic bullet you've been looking for your whole life in terms of your walk with God, in terms of your life period, is learning to be with God. And we're, we're going to press into those two things this fall through this series. Um, could, again, tell you more about the book, but I'm going to, instead we're going to watch a testimony of a guy from New Life Church. This is the church that Peter Scazzaro pastors. Let's watch his story of how this study impacted him. Let's watch the screen. Made me go to church. Uh, Bible studies, choir practice, youth nights. My parents saw that I was headed in a route that uh, I'd be led astray, so they made me go to church. Uh, Bible studies, choir practice, youth nights, um, prayer meetings, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service. Um, It was a lot of church, man. I developed a skill of learning uh, to live in two different worlds. One world was sacred, where I had Christian friends, and I'd read the Bible, and I would do Sunday school competitions. In another world, I was with my friends and living a sinful life. And uh, in 2009, I was arrested for a DUI. And uh, that changed my life because I was the accomplished kid. I was the successful kid. I was uh, the one who the family would hold up with high, in high esteem. But I was living a double life, and I had all these inner emotions that I didn't know what to do with. And uh, that was where God used my pain to bring me to a closer relationship with him. 
to just force me to deal with the truth of my life. And that's when I started uh, uh, searching for answers. And uh, in 2011, I heard a sermon by this guy named Pete Scazzaro. And uh, it was as if God was speaking to me through his story of pain and brokenness. And uh, fast forward, I, I visited New Life, and uh, I just, it was great that I, I could see someone who was experiencing what I experienced and journeying through that pain and difficulty in a real way. But I needed to find practical steps to do it. And that's why I took the EHS course. You can't change what you don't acknowledge. So the messages that I was taught, I needed to identify what I believed from my family of origin that I needed to unlearn and basically allow my mind to be transformed um, by the renewal and reading the word and understanding who God is in a real way. And uh, But the EHS course gave us the language that was accessible. It gave us a safe community where we um, didn't judge each other and, and people didn't act defensively when they heard things that were inconsistent with what they believed to be true. And it gave us a biblical context to understand how emotionally healthy spirituality is. It's all throughout the scriptures, but we just need to draw it out in that community. So it was uh, an amazing course. I would absolutely encourage any and everyone who is serious about their walk with Jesus and looking for a place to, to be honest about where they are in their walk with God. There are certainly moments where God meets you in a real way and there's a shift internally, but this is very much a process and it takes intentionality and it, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be hard, but it's worth it. It's worth, worth it for my children, you know, God willing. It's worth it for um, the community that I'm in so that I can order my life to contemplate the love of Jesus and to give it out, to be a gift to the world. So uh, EHS changed my life. I'm a... Uh... I'm really excited about that, and uh, I, I trust as we walk through that material that uh, God's going to change us and, and trust that he'll do amazing things in the interior of our lives that uh, will we'll translate out into the exterior. But I, I believe God wants to heal. I believe he wants to change the way we think about things. I believe he wants to address stuff from our past. And uh, we're going to walk through that over eight Sundays this fall, and we'll have books so you can you can read the material, but then on top of that, um, it, it, sort of the magic of this is then discussing it in a group. I think it's just like the perfect combo. So I encourage you to consider that. Uh, he said, uh, you got to be intentional. And I'd say that about authentic relationships. They don't just happen. They actually require that intentionality. And that's, the, that's what we're trying to do with our, our groups and our, our relating opportunities here at Hillside. So with that, Let's keep pressing into these things that God has put his finger on in our lives. Resourcing ministry. If you're on the sidelines right now and you're going, um, you know what, I have been all about me far too long, or I've been too afraid sitting on the bench. And I, I sense this morning God might be saying to you, get up off that bench and say, I'm in the game. And I want to serve and I want to be a minister. And then we're going to continue this journey that God's got us on in terms of uh, being a church that's for our neighborhood and for our city. And I think we're on this kind of wild ride where we haven't got it all plotted out, right? But I, I, I'm believing that the end of, of where this leads is that the city will be a better place because we are here. And then thirdly, this authentic relationships that we're, 
we all long for and we all need. Let's, let's take a step in that direction, folks. Maybe, maybe a few steps in that direction. I'd encourage you to do so. I invite the, the, the music team to come on up. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I simply pray this morning that you would help us fulfill our mission. It's not by accident that you've pulled us together here. And I pray you'd help us in this commitment to connect people to Jesus Christ. That you'd help us become a community of growing Jesus followers who actually make a difference in our world. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's, let's stand together and sing.